The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, friends. This is Matthias Roberts, and you're listening to Queerology, a podcast on belief and being. This is Episode 7. What we do with the inner critic is we keep carrying, we keep lugging that raft along with us. We don't need it anymore, but we're still lugging the the raft along. Kept us safe at one point, no longer needed, but we're still hanging on to that inner critic. Christy Arben is the director and founder of HeartWorks, Inc., an organization that teaches people about mindful self-compassion. I first discovered self-compassion several months ago as I was browsing the internet and uh, something on Brené Brown's Facebook page popped up about self-compassion. And I was going through a fairly difficult period of time at that point. And I was like, hmm, I wonder what this is and and watched the video. uh, And I know I know it can be cliche to kind of say that something changed my life, but but this idea of self-compassion, the way that we treat ourselves, uh, being and trying to treat ourselves in in the way that we would treat a close friend, uh, it literally has changed my life since starting to practice it a few months ago. And so I think as queer people, uh, we often treat ourselves very poorly. Uh, and so I wanted to bring an expert in self-compassion onto the show to kind of teach us some practices of what is self-compassion, what research is it rooted in, and how might we begin to practice, uh, start putting these ideas into practice in our own lives, uh, because, because they are transformative. Uh, Christy is an Australian-born farm girl who now lives in the U.S., uh, and her life's work is dedicated towards teaching people self-compassion. I'll let her dive into all of that more, uh, but I am so excited to have her on the show today. Uh, So let's dive right in. Christy, thank you so much for being here with us today. You're welcome, Matthias. Lovely to be here. Uh, So I start off every one of these uh, with kind of a two-part question of uh, how do you identify uh, and then how has your faith tradition uh, informed that identity? Sure. And it's a great question. Um, So how I identify, I would say um, I'm attracted to all genders Mm -hmm. and I'm uh, in a long-term relationship with a man. Yeah. So that's, that's how I would identify. Yeah. Um, how has my faith impacted on, on that? So my faith is actually um, an earth-based spirituality, yeah. uh, very much an intuitive sense of spirituality. 
um, I really appreciate all faith traditions and I actually pull little pieces from uh, traditions often looking at things like archetypes like the archetypal feminine so Mother Mary in the Christian tradition I draw a lot of strength uh, from her mm-hmm. um, Our Lady of Guadalupe in the sort of uh, Latino culture um, I feel very warmly about about her um, any of the feminine deities in you know, Hinduism or, or Buddhism, um, I draw on uh, their qualities. So I really like to, I learn from different traditions and I incorporate them into my own spirituality. Mm-hmm. So how my identification relates to that, I'm really not sure. <laughs> um, really not sure. Yeah. I think I just, I appreciate the masculine and the feminine. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the crossover between the two, the fluidity, the way they dance together. Um, so I guess that's how they might inform my, my identification is I'm really, I really appreciate inclusivity and appreciation for complexity we're all so complex these things are so complex absolutely to try and put things into a box um it sort of disrespects i think the complexity of of uh, spirituality masculinity femininity Mm. identification i guess yeah so that was a long response to your question and not a very (laughs) succinct one (laughs) (laughs) but it's i mean it's so true though to uh to try to box these things into certain categories uh can be a very damaging thing. Well, it has been, has it? It's been, oh. It has been extremely damaging. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you do a lot of work around this concept of self-compassion. Uh, and I, I was uh, reading through some of your blog posts, and, and you write uh, about self-compassion. I have a little quote here. Um, but you write, this was how... I found the resilience to be with my own pain while also being there continuously and lovingly in the presence of the pain of others. Uh, and I'm so curious about this concept because I I found self-compassion just about five months ago. Uh, it just kind of ran across it and it has transformed the way that I've treated myself and the way that I relate with others Uh and I'm really curious if you could tell us a little bit about what self-compassion is. Uh, yeah, let's start there with what it is. Yeah, even. yeah, yeah. Great, mm-hmm. great. So self-compassion, um, there's self-compassion in many, many faith traditions and in secular um, mm-hmm. methodologies. Um, self-compassion in its, in its um, most succinct sense is being your own best friend basically Mm. so if we think about how we treat our best friend when we are at our best so this is the the caveat it's when we're at our best not when we're at our grumpiest or you know first thing in the morning or whatever it might be when we're at our best how do we treat someone we care very deeply about and so the qualities we bring to a dear friend are things like we're very present for them we, we we put everything else aside and we're just with them we're very mindful of their presence that that's the first thing that we do mm. we're non-judgmental we don't tell our friend uh, especially when they're having a bad time 
um, we generally don't point the finger and say, yeah, well, it's it's your fault, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, we just don't do that. We're very non-judgmental, very accepting. Even if we might have some judgment in the back of our mind, we know that in order to support a dear friend, you just don't say those things. You're mm-hmm. just there very openly and, and, and warmly with, with your friend. And we also recognize that um, we all make mistakes. None of us are perfect. We're all beautifully flawed human beings. Um, we're really we're all in this together. We have we might think that we're quite different, but in reality, we all suffer from the same difficult emotions. Mm-hmm. We all have similar experiences in our lifetime. Uh, you know, we all experience uh, loss and longing and and death and sickness and all these things that come with being human. So, no one is ever alone. Mm-hmm. So. We, re- we remember that when we're regarding or taking care of a good friend and we, we remind them that they're not alone in their experience and there's something about knowing that we're not alone that can just really help to relieve our burden almost instantly. When you hear this term, you are not alone, it just like, ah, oh, you can just sort of feel the shoulders drop a bit, the out breath, yeah. oh, I'm, other people experience this as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those those three actually those three components are what um, self compassion researcher Kristen Neff came up with when mm-hmm. she was researching self compassion. So the mindfulness, the uh, being non judgmental, and a sense of common humanity. They're the they're the that's the basis of self compassion as as I understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what does that look like then in practice? Uh, as in, because I know for me, like, it's, it's one thing to kind of have these ideas of like, oh, this is self-compassion or, oh, I should treat myself better. But how do, how do we actually do that? Like, (laughs) yeah. If I could give you a really quick and easy way to do that, then Mm -hmm. I would, but (laughs) um, it's, it's not quick and easy. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Especially because actually, no, I'll, I'll, I'll take a step back. In some cultures, it is inherent. In some cultures, people automatically uh, care for themselves. Mm -hmm. They automatically regard themselves as being just as valuable, just as worthy of love and acceptance as everybody else is. Mm -hmm. And um, often those are, they they tend to be Buddhist Mm -hmm. cultures Mm -hmm. where where people are raised in, in this way. I'm sure there are other cultures and other faith traditions that re- where children are raised with this belief as well right. um, but this so if we don't learn it if we don't if we don't understand when we we're born mm-hmm. that we're put on this earth to thrive and that all the adults around us all they care about is helping us to thrive if we don't have that experience and I would say most of us don't right. have that experience no. <laughs> <laughs> if we don't have that experience, um, we can we can learn self compassion skills mm-hmm. as we as we grow up. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, we need to get into our sort of twenties before we can start unlearning some of these patterns of uh, basically doing the opposite of self compassion, um, being very judgmental towards ourselves, feeling that we are completely alone isolated, mm-hmm. no one else 
shares the experience we have mm -hmm. and also not being prepared to be present with ourselves mostly because it's it's very painful to yeah. be present with ourselves when we're having difficult emotions or when we're when we're not in love with ourselves mm -hmm. uh, we don't we don't really want to be present for for ourselves when it's the inner critic or the perfectionist or the voice of early caregivers or the voice of our culture coming in and telling us that we've done a bad job or that we're a bad person. Right. Who wants to hang around and listen to that? Right. So, yeah, so this is as uh, those three components, the mindfulness, uh, non-judgmental and uh, common humanity are really antidotes to that. Right. So the way we learn this skill of self-compassion, we really look at those three components and how do we develop our um, capacity for those things. Mm -hmm. So there are a whole bunch of ways, fortunately, there are a whole bunch of ways we can do this. So mindfulness, um, you know, mindfulness has become quite a, a buzzword yeah. in our culture now. It's sort of been imported over from other cultures i mean it's not new to our culture things like contemplative prayer have right. have been around uh, the whole time uh, christian mystics have mm -hmm. been around the whole time so it's not new to a more western judeo christian culture right but it's sort of exoticized it's sort of been brought over from the buddhist culture in, in a lot of ways um which i think is a good thing not mm -hmm. the ex exotification not the exotifying. Right. <laughs> I just made up a. I just made up a word, it's didn't a I? It's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the 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 tent the basic tenets of mindfulness the being able to sit with ourselves no matter what our experience is this is a really valuable skill to mm -hmm. have and there are many ways that you can learn mindfulness there are many courses there are many books uh Thich Nhat Hanh writes uh, some beautiful books very yeah. accessible books mm -hmm. on mindfulness um I'm sure there are books in the in the Christian tradition um so yeah learning mindfulness mm -hmm. um there are lots of lots of ways we can do that online mm -hmm. you know there are apps that teach us mindfulness so mm -hmm. learning mindfulness I think is probably the the simplest one because right. there are so many resources mm -hmm. I mean it sounds simple but actually being mindful can be really tricky. Yes. The, some of the other components of self-compassion can help us to be mindful. Mm -hmm. So mindfulness, we could sit and be mindful of the fact that we're in a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. Just sitting with that may not be a good idea. Mm -hmm. That might not be what we want to do. If all we're doing is sitting with pain, and we're not bringing in some softness, some kindness, some tending to ourselves. it could actually just make things worse for us, just yeah. exacerbate things. Mm -hmm. So when we add in um, this non-judgmental piece, mm. this non-judgmental piece, and what this would mean is basically we cease to judge our pain, we cease to judge ourselves. we start to develop um, an awareness that um, to be kind to ourselves when we're having some pain, you know, we need to stop judging ourselves before we can be kind to ourselves. Right. To bring kindness to our experience can actually help to decrease the pain. Mm. It's like, you know, if, if, if uh, you have a child and the child is crying, um, if you go and tend to them, put your arms around them, love them, um, speak sweetly to them, it's going to decrease their pain. Right. So we do, we do the same thing for ourselves in being non-judgmental 
and and being kind to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then that third component, that common humanity piece, um, as I already mentioned, when we can, if we are bringing mindfulness to our suffering or our pain, and we can say to ourselves, "I'm not alone in mm-hmm. my experience. Other people have this." experience um that once again that can help to sort of decrease the burden and just address address the pain that mm-hmm. we're experiencing in the moment just as as i mentioned if a dear friend were to say you are not alone sweetheart you mm-hmm. are not alone other mm-hmm. people experience this it does it helps to tend to our, our pain Mm-hmm. So the ways to so I told you ways to cultivate mindfulness the ways to cultivate those others um, there is loving kindness meditation that mm-hmm. you can do um, and there are various I mean people like Tara Brach mm-hmm. have written quite a lot about loving kindness um, Pema Chodron yeah. as well in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition mm-hmm. she's written about um, loving kindness so you can read about loving kindness you can meditate with loving kindness as well so that's a way to to cultivate that mm-hmm. the common humanity piece i would say that's about um getting with other people who mm-hmm. share the ways that you suffer so mm-hmm. support groups and friends and online groups and you know wherever you can get support wherever you can find like-minded people people on the same journey people who have had the same challenges this is what connects us to the greater community. This is what helps us to know we are not alone. Yeah, um, yeah. so that I think that's really important, that connection piece with community. Mm-hmm. And if you want to bring all those three together, you could do the Mindful Self-Compassion program. That, mm-hmm. that actually brings all of those three components together. Mm-hmm. Maybe not with people who are on exactly the same journey as, as you, but they're all on a journey with you you're going through this mindful self-compassion program together so that that's what brings that all together if you didn't want to seek those things out separately right yeah right uh i'm noticing so many connections i mean i know because i've been trying to practice this over the past few months just how deeply it has helped me and and these connections are coming in in places of i think for so many of us listening we've grown up in traditions where we're told that we are less than, that we aren't able to be in relationship, uh, that we're inherently broken. Uh, and those are those are beliefs that, whether implicitly or explicitly, have been you know passed down into our bodies uh, yeah. that I think we carry with us into our lives and are trying to work through. And I know that my self talk is is not very kind typically and a lot of those messages come back up and this self-compassion almost directly like counters that in it does. in such a beautiful way yeah. uh and yeah. what you were a couple of things you just touched on um that feeling that we're broken mm-hmm. or feeling that we're not lovable mm-hmm. That is the definition of shame. Mm -hmm. That's what shame is, feeling that we are too broken or, you know, too ugly or too dumb or too fat or too thin or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. to be lovable. No one's going to love us because of this thing that is inherently us. Mm -hmm. And so if we learn that from a very young age, you know, this thing that is inherently you, if people find out about it, they're not going to love you. Right which, you know, if we went back far enough, 
if your community didn't love you, basically if you were expelled from the community, you wouldn't survive because right. you needed the community to survive. It's a bit different in modern times. but right. um, So it, it's, about, it's about our survival. So this is why shame feels so strong, that feeling of I'm broken and I'm not, not lovable. It's such a strong feeling mm-hmm. and, man, it just, it just sinks into us. And you know the, the, sick, the, the sick feeling of feeling shame, yeah. feeling that you're not lovable. Mm-hmm. So you're totally right about self-compassion being a somewhat an antidote for this feeling of being broken and, and unlovable. All of those components, mindfulness, being kind to ourselves and connecting with a community, they all help to um, to counteract that message. Mm-hmm. You are lovable. You are not broken. Mm-hmm. This is evidenced by the fact that there are a whole bunch of other people right. who, you know, are, are very similar mm-hmm. and, and some of those people are clearly not broken. Mm-hmm. You can tell they're very strong mm-hmm. in their identity. They're very proud. They're very together mm-hmm. in the way they carry themselves in the world. So, you know, if that person can be that, mm-hmm. then totally I can be that mm-hmm. as well. We just we do have to address the shame first before we can sort of climb out of that because um, shame is insidious. It, oh, yeah. We take it on at such a young age, mm-hmm. so it it becomes part of our it's part of our development. So it takes a bit of work to overcome those shame messages, um, and yeah, self compassion is a really nice way to to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you mentioned. Uh, these kind of not enoughs, uh, like I'm not thin enough, I'm not attractive enough. Uh, And I think those are messages that as many of us have kind of assimilated into queer culture, uh, there's this need to be perfect, I think, in some ways. Uh, And uh, I I was reading a study the other day that uh, for gay men, uh, as gay men start spending more time around other gay men, their body image goes down instead of going wow. up. Oh um, my goodness. And yeah. <laughs> it feels so true. Uh, and I was reading through that study and I was like, of course, like, of course, like the, the more we get into community for gay men, for gay males, get in community with other gay males, there's this, this added pressure of having to be, to fit into a certain type, uh, and I'm I'm curious about uh, the way that self-compassion kind of differs from self-esteem. Because I think I used to look in the mirror and say, no, I look great. And just try to convince myself of like, I'm fine. I'm doing really well. Um, <laughs> you do look great, Matthias. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, whereas self-compassion takes almost a completely different approach to that yeah. conversation and I'm wondering if you can yeah. talk about that a little bit. Definitely. That's a, a really good point, yeah. So um, self-esteem in itself is not a problem. Mm. Self-esteem is uh, basically it's feeling good about yourself, mm-hmm. you know, knowing about knowing you are okay. You have this inherent sense of okayness. Mm-hmm. The problem comes in where we typically get our self-esteem from. Mm. 
So often we get our self-esteem through comparison, mm. which is what, what you're talking about. So, you know, I feel good about myself as long as I look better than the guy next to me, right. as long as I'm more buff than the guy next to me or, or whatever it might be, mm. you know, then I can feel good about myself. Then I have this sense of my own worthiness and my own okayness. Mm. So this is a problem. If we always need to feel better than someone else or we always need to feel above average statistically we cannot all be above average it just doesn't work that way and we're always looking around us like how are the people around me you know am I better than them so this contingent sense of self-worth that come that can come from self-esteem it's it's inherently dangerous Mm. because there's always going to be someone who is better than you or better looking or more buff or more intelligent or whatever it might be there is going to be that person what happens to your sense of worthiness when you're in that situation? It can plummet. Mm-hmm. It just it doesn't just go down to some you know level here. It, we tend to like just feel really bad about ourselves then, and our self worth. Mm-hmm. So self compassion, it's another way to feel good about ourselves. But the difference is it's not contingent. It's not about comparison. It's not about looking at the person next to me. It's about loving myself, feeling my own Mm self-worth simply because I'm a human being. Mm -hmm. Simply because of that, I am okay. Mm -hmm. So there's no there's no comparison then, and and we cultivate self compassion through all of those those skills and the things that I've talked about already. So we and when we do feel bad we bring in some tool, some little meditation or a practice or even just a gesture like this gesture that I'm doing, the hand on the heart. Mm-hmm. This is sort of a bit of a universal gesture for self-compassion. This connects me with my heart, with myself, with other people. Mm-hmm. So just, just this little gesture of the hand on the heart, mm-hmm. this can help me tend to myself, remind me that I'm okay, I'm giving myself love, so I'm telling myself, I'm lovable because I love myself. Mm-hmm. I'm worthy of my own love. That, and that's self-compassion says, um, he doesn't say that's all I need because we do need to be in relationship as well. Right. But it's a big, big part of what I need. If I, if I love myself, I don't need to look for people outside of me uh, mm-hmm. so much to love me. I don't need to project mm-hmm. so much. Right. Yeah. So yeah. does that explain the, the difference there? Yeah, it does. And I think that that shift for me has been so instead of looking in the mirror and trying to convince myself that I look great or better or whatever, it's, it's turned into a recognition of the shame or the fear that's behind like a, an acknowledgement of I'm feeling really insecure about the way I look right now and Mm. acknowledging that and then moving into that practice of it's normal to feel this way it's everyone feels like this I mean I can like every guy around me probably is feeling the same way and and then offering myself that kindness uh and compassion in those spaces and that's revolutionary like (laughs) yeah it's incredible (laughs) difference it makes in the way I feel about myself just those those kind of three steps of of noticing the insecurity and and then giving myself kindness in that instead of trying to puff myself up. Um, and what you might notice, or what, what we, what, 
I'll change that. What I have noticed mm. as I've developed in my self-compassion practice is I do sometimes catch myself in the mirror, but it's not about how beautiful I think I look. It's about how good I feel about myself or about something I've just done. I still feel pr uh, proud mm. when I've done something good. I still feel a sense of you've done a really good thing mm. there. So when I catch myself in the mirror, it's not really about physical attributes. Right. It's about my heart and my soul and my contribution to the community. And, you know, I smile at myself in mm -hmm. the mirror because I feel good about, about those things. You know, the whole being beautiful thing, you know, I, we all get old. I'm getting older. <laughs> I've got some wrinkles and a few things going on. Mm -hmm. So it's all fleeting anyway. Right. But these things that I do in the community, um, I can I can uh, savor that. I can bathe in how good it feels to be doing good things mm -hmm. in the community, and that stuff stays. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm curious about. Uh, so we're using a lot of language to someone who maybe isn't quite as seeped into this, like. I'm working on a counseling degree and, and I know you're, you've done some work in those areas as well. This is kind of the language we sit in, but for people who are outside of that, it can sound very frou-frou kind of like, yeah. I know people get very skeptical of it and like, why would this be better than trying to motivate myself in other ways? Uh, but this is, grounded in so much research and brain science and i'm curious if you could talk about that a little bit like what some of like the the hard science and the studies say about yeah. like how self-compassion truly does affect us yeah yeah and i totally appreciate that some people need to hear about the science behind this this stuff i was just talking earlier to a colleague who works in the hospital system mm. and she said you know to do anything in the hospital system there needs to be some hard data right. to support you know bringing she's looking to bring self-compassion training in for caregivers mm. in the for you know ment mental health care so health care providers in the hospital system mm. so i totally appreciate the value of, of research it helps to bridge from the frou-frou right. to the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh this is real stuff right yeah <laughs> um so, yeah, the, the, there's been quite a lot of research done into mindfulness already. Mindfulness is sort of ahead of self-compassion in terms mm -hmm. of research. Mm -hmm. And so the research there has found that the more we practice mindfulness, say we sit and do a formal mindfulness meditation, the more we do that, and it's, it's about a, a dose-dependent effect. So we, we do that every day as a regular practice they found that over a very short period of time, I can't even remember, but it was a matter of um, months mm. maybe, they did, a, did research, over a matter of months, people's brains were changing, mm. like the physiology of their brain was changing. Mm. Um, I'm not a neuroscience, so I'm not going to remember the details, but right. a part of the brain started to thicken a bit, a mm. part of the brain around um, uh, being being able to be still and, and with experience started to thicken. Mm -hmm. When they researched really long-term meditators, like uh, Buddhist monks who had tens of thousands of hours of meditation, that part of their brain was very thick. Mm. So it has these very organic uh, changes. So these, these monks were, you know, completely in the moment, completely present with all their, of their experience, completely able to be with 
any difficult emotions if they had any. And they also had this thickening in this part of their brain. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's part of the research is right. around mindfulness. The research around self-compassion, um, Kristen Neff's done quite a lot of research around, uh, around self-compassion. Um, what they find with um, self-compassion is people who have higher levels of self-compassion have things like lowered levels of depression and anxiety, these mm -hmm. sorts of things. They also have been found to be um, more caring in their um, uh, intimate relationships, mm. more willing to apologize. Mm. Part of self-compassion is um, I know if I accept fault, if I acknowledge that I did something wrong, I know if I do that, I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm not going to say I'm a bad person. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep some perspective here. So you're much better able to apologize, to make amends, um, if you know you're not going to crumble under the weight of a self-critic mm -hmm. when you do acknowledge faults. So high levels of self-compassion, um, better connections in intimate relationships, um, better ability to apologize. Um, people who motivate themselves with self-compassion rather than the opposite, which would be the inner critic. Right. A lot of us use a critic to motivate us. Mm. Um, Self-compassion says, I care for you, whether you succeed or not. Even if there's a failure in your performance, I still care for you. I won't abandon you. And I care about the long term of your well-being. Mm. So any um, small failures, we can treat them as we treat them as learnings. We treat them as information. Mm. We're much better able to pick ourselves up and move on with that information if we have high levels of self-compassion. People who motivate themselves from a self-critical perspective, you know, it's much harder to pick yourself up if your inner critic is is beating you, you know, right. basically beating you down, mm -hmm. really hard to motivate yourself from that, that place. So that's another way that, um, yeah, and, and I'm sure most people can relate to that inner critic as a way to motivate Absolutely. ourselves. And if you ask the question, would you like to continue being motivated by that inner critic or would you like to tune into a compassionate, wise, inner coach type right. figure? Mm -hmm. Someone who says, you know, those things that I mentioned, I love you no matter what happens, I care about your long-term well-being, we're going to work on this and we're going to keep going rather than one that, that beats you. So, yeah, that's and that, that was part of the research as well, mm -hmm. high levels of self-compassion. It means motivation comes from a much kinder place right. than uh, if we have low levels, levels of self-compassion, which seem to equate with high levels of inner criticism. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. And it makes so much sense. I mean, when we think about, I can think about the people in my life who truly motivate me and who I enjoy being around and who I feel more of myself with, they're the, people's who, they're the people who treat me kindly and with compassion and who motivate me in ways that kind of push me forward as opposed to beating me down. Yeah. And so to turn that voice onto ourselves and treat our own selves that way, like it only makes sense that that would, that would motivate in other ways and better ways yeah it makes sense and yet we can be resistant oh, to yeah. that um, yes. to, to turning to that self-compassionate voice and partly it's because of our conditioning mm -hmm. you know it's how we were brought up we were brought up with an external critic we you know uh, 
caregivers, right. teachers, you know, coach, you yeah. know, someone from our childhood, we internalize that voice and we partly do it as a safety mechanism. Mm-hmm. If I can if I can predict what this external critic is going to say, I can act on that. I can like beat them to the punch. Mm-hmm. If I can criticize myself first, I'm sort of taking control of my criticism there rather than being at the the, the mercy of, of some ex, ex, external critic. Mm-hmm. So that's why we internalize that critic. It does it does make sense. Yeah. How as a child, however, as we get older, it's like the there's a there's a uh, a little metaphor of um, you use a you use a raft to get across a river, mm-hmm. and then what we do with the inner critic is we keep carrying we keep lugging that raft along with us. Yeah. We don't need it anymore, mm-hmm. but we're still lugging the the raft along. So that we do this with the inner critic, we keep lugging that inner critic along, kept us safe at one point, no longer needed, but we're still hanging on to that inner critic. Um, really hard to shake mm-hmm. that. It can take many years to shake this inner critic and we just need to bring some patience and love to that process for ourselves yeah uh christy thank you so very much for joining us uh, oh you're welcome how can people find your work yeah so i have a website um i run my own small business i'm a i'm a one gal business um, and I just love talking with people about their um, mindfulness practice their self-compassion practice really finding their own inner wisdom mm. in learning to take care of themselves so I, I like to sort of travel with people as mm. they're developing a, a, a practice and it's a, a secular uh, secular practice yeah, yeah. yeah. so um, my website is just christyarbon.com mm. uh, people can find me there um, sign up for my newsletter I send out regular newsletters I'm really excited and passionate about community mm. basically so this little heartworks community um, I just love the conversations that I have w- with people um, there are also courses that I run if mm. people want to come to courses and that's that's on the on the website oh, yeah as well. great well thank you thank you oh you're welcome lovely to speak with yeah. you Mitha. take care yeah you too Again, you can find more of Christy's work over on her website, christyarbin.com. Her Facebook page is also full of great resources. So if you just search for her on Facebook uh, and like her HeartWorks page, there's a lot of great content there about mindfulness and self-compassion. Really, really good links. Uh, Queerology is on Twitter, at QueerologyPod, or you can tweet me directly, at Matthias Roberts. And I'd love it if you'd leave a review of Chorology over on iTunes. Just head to iTunes or to my website, MatthiasRoberts.com slash review, and it will take you right there. As always, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a tweet, send me a message, an email. Uh, Let me know what you think of the podcast, any great guests that you have in mind. And until next week, we'll see you all later. Bye!